What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Took last week off. Kind of had to. There was no racing. Uh, but I'm Dan Malin. I am joined once again by the FSWA two-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt Sells. Matt, how was Easter for you? How was the week off? Uh, free time? It was It was kind of nice to you know not have the rush of content um, that we produce over the weekends for NASCAR. I did do, uh, I lent a hand with some more um, baseball content because it was opening weekend for baseball. Um, so I had baseball DFS stuff, but yeah, that also allowed me to kind of veg out and watch baseball for two <laughs> days straight, which was awesome because baseball is my favorite sport right up there with NASCAR. So that's going. Unfortunately, did not get to see any of the Nats games because they didn't play till Tuesday, but you know. And now the NASCAR world is centered around a track in my former home state of Virginia because we get Martinsville Speedway this weekend. The first, the first short track race of the year. That's not on dirt. Right. Because we had Bristol uh, two weeks ago, but it was covered in dirt. So. Speaking of, what did you think of Bristol from a DFS perspective? And just overall, as a racing fan, what did you think of the race? Because I enjoyed it, actually. I I didn't really have a problem with the fact that in between stages, like, the drivers had to be held. I know they probably didn't like it. I the only Well, thing that's I, also my, common for dirt racing. Though. Because they have to maintain the track. I get right. that. Um the only thing I really didn't care for was uh, single-file restarts. I thought that just kind of took away from any competitive aspect of it. But overall, um, when they announced it last year, I thought I was going to hate it. I didn't hate it at all. I enjoyed it. I was entertained. Uh, from a DFS perspective, I was terrible. I didn't really put that much time into researching. Uh, it would have been nice to have gotten the practices in. But at the same time, I can't complain. Um, I only played three lineups for each race. But overall, as a fan, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Um, I thought it was actually a little less chaotic than we thought it was going to be going into it. Um, I thought I actually had a pretty decent read on the race based mm -hmm. on the, the coverage in the playbooks. Um and if I recall correctly, I think the playbook had six or seven of the guys that finished in the top ten in it. Nice. Um, so, um, you know, that that's pretty good for a race where we literally had no comparable race to it, no history. Because even if the guys raced on dirt previously, they'd never raced on a banked dirt track at 19 degrees, right? Mm -hmm. um, so... It was pretty surprising to watch how well Martin Truex Jr. took to dirt because he flat out dominated the truck race and then did really well in the yeah. cup race as well. Daniel Suarez, that was literally the first time he'd ever been on dirt in a race car and then went and led. like Looked right at home. <laughs> yeah, that was impressive. And then, uh, you know, the ending had a pretty prototype. The only thing that, that annoyed me was that they didn't, go back to the double file restart for the final restart. Mm -hmm. Like I know where they, I know why they, um, why they did it because the dirt, you know, the dust got so bad. You couldn't, you literally could not see anything. Um, but for the final restart of the race, I thought that they should have gone back to a double file restart instead of the single file because Everybody knew what Denny Hamlin was going to have to do to win that race, except for apparently Denny Hamlin, because he just doesn't drive like that unless, of course, he's around Chase Elliott or like three other dudes, <laughs> right? Um, like, 
Like, I don't understand why Denny Hamlin didn't think uh, he was going to have to literally bump and run Joey to get in front of him to win the race. Um, but, you know, the other thing to pay attention to is we have a trend here in NASCAR. If a guy is in the booth for the Xfinity race, going to win the cup race. It's happened two races in a row now. Be worth keeping your eyes on. There are, what, there are two drivers in the cup race this week that are going to be in the booth for tomorrow night's Yes. Xfinity race? Was it Austin yes. Dillon and Blaney? Yep. Ryan Blaney and Austin Dillon are in the Fox booth for the Xfinity Martinsville race. And then they'll be obviously racing in the cup race. So Blaney was in the booth for Atlanta Xfinity race and then turned around and won it the next day. Uh, and Logano was in the booth for the Xfinity, uh, or sorry, the truck Bristol dirt race. Um, and then turn around. Suarez and... in the in the booth for the truck race as well. Was Suarez was in this the is awful radio, but he was in the booth for one of the more recent races. It may have been Bristol. It may have been either that or it was the or the truck. Was it the truck Atlanta race? It might, might have, have been the truck. Atlanta. All right, because they didn't run not. Xfinity uh, at Bristol. It was just the truck the trucks so yeah so you know pay attention to that two drivers in the in the booth for fox this week all right Um, and it's a saturday night race it's a saturday night cup race so don't wait till sunday to set lineups there'll be no race to set lineups for you will have missed the race it is a saturday night race short track racing under the lights in martinsville uh, speaking of Martinsville, let's just do a quick track breakdown. A half mile track. It's very flat. Uh, the over. It's called the paperclip because, from a bird's eye view, it looks like a paperclip. Yep. Uh, anything other specific? What? what do they still have that curb on the very bottom of the they track? They do. They got rid of the grass, though. That's right. The first, the first NASCAR track to completely get rid of grass after you know we saw the debacle early in the season when fenders were getting ripped off in the infield grass. Uh, Martinsville decided to pave over their tiny little grass sections in the curb, in the in in the turns, which you can't even get to, in a car because they have a curb, an actual physical pink curb on the inside of the <laughs> Martinsville track. So, um, the you know it's also the only one that's half asphalt, half concrete. The straightaways are asphalt, and the corners are concrete at Martinsville. Um, so, yeah, it's a track where you can roll off a ton of laps led very, very quickly. Like a ton. Uh, a couple of years ago, we saw Truex lead, what, 460-something laps? The race after Kozlowski <clears throat> led 446. Um, and, in fact, in four of the last six races at Martinsville, one driver has led at least 100 laps, and another driver has led at least 200 laps in the same race. The only two that it didn't happen was when Kislowski and Truex both decided to lead 400-something <laughs> laps on their own. So, um, so yeah, laps light is going to be a huge stat this week to pay attention to. All right. Uh, some programming notes before we dive into the driver pool and, and preview who we like this week. Um, <clears throat> due to the fact that the races are kind of bumped up a day for this weekend, the NASCAR is trying to not compete with the PGA and, and Major League Baseball for ratings. Uh, so the Xfinity race is Friday night. 
I found out Thursday afternoon. Uh, so I'm definitely – it's my first time doing a playbook in like three weeks because Matt covered uh, the truck race for Bristol Dirt for me. So I'm still trying to get my feet back under me. Um, but luckily, the playbook for the Xfinity race, we're recording this Thursday night. The playbook is already out. Uh, the wager alarm betting piece will be out Friday morning. Um, I will be in the chat up until 12 p.m. Eastern on Friday, and then I will be in the chat again once I get home from work up until lock. That's it for me and Xfinity. Matt, what notes do you have for Cup? Um, so it's a little bit slower rolling on the Cup side here. Um, the wager alarm best bets piece for the Cup is already out. It came out Thursday afternoon, giving people an extra couple of days to check that out. Um, see if we can't get some more eyeballs over there on the, uh, you know, cup. And I'll tell you one thing. It's kind of an interesting, interesting article. Kind of flipped the favorites and the long shots as to who I included more on, which is going to sound interesting knowing it's a short track. Um, so you should check that out. The track breakdown coaches dashboard is set up. It's good to go. The write-up will be in there shortly after we finish recording this. Uh, projections will be out on Friday. Yes, we are having projections this week. Decided not to do them for the dirt race because, well, turns out there's no data for the dirt race. So that makes it really pretty hard to model projections for. Um, so the rankings and projections will be out Friday. Um, and the playbook may be out. I might drop it after lock for Xfinity on Friday evening. Um, we'll see just how the day progresses on Friday. If not, it'll be out early Saturday morning. Um, and core plays Saturday once we find out if there's any tech issues or anything. All right. We are about 10 minutes in. Uh, we'll dive into just previewing the races. We will start with Xfinity. Won't go too in-depth. Um, ultimately, though, um, some of the drivers that I'm looking at, A.J. Allmendinger and Austin Sindrick. Austin Sindrick is going to be a play almost every week simply by default. He's last year's champion. It's already been declared he's going to be driving the 21 car. So it's, it's really just – this is his series to – I don't know. This just feels like practice for him just before he goes up to the Cup Series next year. Um, we do get Ty Gibbs uh, in the star car for Joe Gibbs Racing this week. He is starting 16th. The price has gone up on DraftKings to 10500 That's still a bit cheap in my opinion. He's run two races at Xfinity, and he's won one, and he was the runner-up in another – and so Andy 10, has a ton of short track experience because he he's, only been, he's only been allowed to drive short tracks. For those that don't know, there's an age requirement to do the big tracks. As you get up in the NASCAR and the more national ranks, you have to be a certain age to do certain size tracks. So you can't drive on a mile and a half track until you're like 18, right? You can't do the Daytona and Talladega races until you have experience on the smaller stuff because they don't want a rookie out there in the middle mm -hmm. of Daytona and Talladega. So uh, guys who are making the leap from you know, the series like Ty Gibbs is, they have a lot of short track experience because that's the only thing they've been racing on in their racing career. Yep, I just learned that apparently because I didn't know that there was an age requirement. But hey, Matt's taught me everything I knew about NASCAR. So, yep, you got uh, but... to be to get the insurance and, and paperwork in order uh, at NASCAR. So, yep. Uh, but rounding back, uh, Ty Gibbs ten thousand five hundred starting P sixteen. Uh, if he finishes third without any 
dominator points, and there are plenty on this slate. Uh, he will hit 5x value. You kind of have to assume that he will find his way to the front. I am, at least. Um, great PD play. He's worth paying up for. There are PD options in the mid-range that we can target. I've touched on them in the playbook. Um, one driver who I think DraftKings continues to miss price when he's racing is J.J. Yaley. I wasn't on board last year. I am this year. Uh, he's starting P33, and he's only 7,300. Uh, in his two races uh, this year at the Xfinity level, he started outside the top 30, and he finished 13th in both. I don't know why they don't make him at least 8,000 on DraftKings, but he makes the gets the absolute most out of that ride. Um, quick little breakdown of the Xfinity slate right there. Uh, the playbook is up uh, with all my other favorite plays. I'm trying to keep a slightly tighter pool. I still included about... 15 to 16 drivers. I think my personal driver pool is going to be closer to about 10 to 12. Uh, but that is it for Xfinity. Matt, let's turn our attention to the cup race on Saturday evening. Uh, there are some weather concerns for this one, correct? Uh, yeah, there are some rain uh, concerns there in Virginia for a bunch of this weekend. They did actually test rain tires at Martinsville this week past week this off week they sent a couple of drivers up there um and tested the rain tires that they've been using on road courses they tested those at martinsville um the test apparently went pretty well um that does not mean that they will have rain tires in play this week because they simply can't produce them fast enough or get them mounted and balanced on the on the uh, you know tires the rims there fast enough um, but there is a chance that uh, they're they're probably looking at New Hampshire as the next best chance to use rain tires on a on a flat track such as Martinsville or Richmond mm-hmm. or Phoenix. Um, you know, New Hampshire would fit that bill. So that's kind of interesting news, but it won't play a role this week. Um, they do have the same tires on their cars for both series as they had last fall and last year at Martinsville. So if the race were to get postponed, would it be Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening? I presume it would be Sunday afternoon, Okay, but it, it really just depends on generally speaking. It's Fox that makes that call or has very heavy, heavy leverage in terms of what time they put you know, start the race because it's a TV window. Um, so I would presume that they would probably run it early Sunday afternoon because the Masters is going to end later Sunday afternoon. Um, and they're not going to want to compete against the final round of the Masters, I would I would guess. Um, and they have no problem going up against MLB, so... All right, well, let's just take a look at some of the drivers. We'll start at the top. We have surprisingly four drivers priced over $11,000. We have seven over ten grand. Uh, obviously, the one that's going to be on everyone's radar is going to be Martin Truex Jr. He is $12,000. He is a short track wizard. I mean, despite the fact that two weeks ago was on dirt, he still looked really good at Bristol. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. In both. In both races. In both races. Uh, he's... 12,000 is a lot, but he's kind of worth it, yeah? Yeah, I mean, that's not... Considering the fact that there are 500 laps in this race, um, yep. that's plenty of chances to get laps led and, you know, fastest laps 
Um, he's also starting seventh, so there's a little bit of built-in PD there for him. Um, yeah, after starting, what was it, 0 for 81 on short tracks in his career? I think he's won four of the last seven of them, um, including a couple of wins here in Martinsville. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth it. I'm not shocked by that price. That car has been pretty quick. If you take away Daytona, he's having a great year. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I generally don't count Daytona for almost anybody because right. anything can happen. I mean, I'm just kind of uh, like bump, like lumping in like Daytona and DRC in the, in the same. Yeah, I mean, outside of the you know 500 and the road course, he's having a very good year again, and nobody really continues to pay attention because he hasn't won yet. But like, um, he's been super close. Wait, and, didn't he win? Uh, or did he win? Did he, he win, win Vegas? He won Phoenix, right? What did he win? He won. Yeah, nope. You're right. You're right. I apologize. He did win. He did win um, Phoenix. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just continued to have a very, very good year. Yeah, I mean, even uh, at Bristol Dirt, you know, he started fifth and finished nineteenth, but but let a hundred twenty-six laps. laps. Yeah, Thirty-nine fastest laps. I mean. He's he's still hitting value no matter what. So I mean, obviously he's he's in play. He is probably going to be the, the most popular uh, pay up option per se. What's your opinion on Kyle Larson? He's got PD on his side from nineteenth. He's eleven thousand seven hundred. It's the best equipment he's been in. He's finally priced appropriately after DK whiffed on his price for so long. Is he going to be worth uh, the price tag? What is his history on short tracks? Well, in the last couple of Martinsville races, now keep in mind he missed both of them last year because by the time he was suspended, uh, they had not yet run Martinsville because it was only four races in. So uh, he's only got two races in the last four. He finished 18th in one of them and ninth in the second one. So, um, and that's after starting sixth and 14th respectively. So he moved backwards in one of them and moved forward in the other one. So um, he's been. You know, it's it's hard to kind of peg Larson because if you look at his history at Bristol, you go, well, he's been super good at Bristol because he's led a bunch of laps at a normal Bristol race and he's finished second a couple of times in a normal Bristol race. Okay, but Bristol's not a normal short track. I mean, it's a you can take the high line. There's a high groove you can use. You can carry speed quite a bit. Martinsville is a lot more on break time sharper turns it's only banked at 12 degrees so it's kind of a different driving style i would take the shot on larson he's going to be fairly popular um even at that price point he's 11.7 on dk um and he's he's actually priced down on fanduel he's only i mean he's 11,000 on fanduel but that's three grand short of truex on fanduel so um i think if he what does he have to do to hit value at eleven seven? He's gonna get what top points. He's gonna get what a top five and some fastest laps. Yeah, he would need if he wins. That's that's forty five uh, plus fourteen or plus eighteen would do it. Well, if he wins, it's forty five plus the PD. That's going to be an right. additional. So that's forty nine. So he needs. Well, no, it'd be 45 plus 18 points because he's starting 19th. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was reading Chase Elliott. I apologize. 
apologize. Yeah, so it would be 45 plus 18, which would put him at 63 points. So that would do it. So he doesn't even need to win to... No, if he if he finishes, let's say, top five, he's going to need fastest laps or some laps led. So the value is there. You're going to need probably the best drive he's ever had at Martinsville, but he's also in the best car he's ever had at Martinsville. So uh, Let's pivot to his teammate, the driver I was accidentally looking at 30 seconds ago, Chase Elliott. I can't really get a good read on Chase Elliott only because I feel like there were a lot of races this year when we felt like it was Chase's week. And while he hasn't really disappointed, he just hasn't really been Chase Elliott that we know and love from a year ago. He hasn't led a single lap in the last three races. Um, I apologize for my phone going off. The results have been okay. You know, he's, he's getting, he got 50 points at Bristol Derp. He was starting 26. So a lot of people were on him already. Uh, I don't know. Like it's it's he's he's just good, but the price tag and and is just not really doing much for me. I'd yeah. rather go to Truex or Larson or the the Penske guys. Here's my question: Where would you rank Chase among the Hendrick drivers right now? Oh boy, um, you honestly, I'd probably, still, I'd probably put him second. You'd put him second. You'd still put him ahead of Byron and Bowman. I would. And I know, I know, uh, I would definitely put him in front of Bowman. I understand there's an argument for Byron because Byron at least won Miami, but at the same time, Chase is the Cup Series champion, and I think it's kind of a bold statement even to put Larson ahead of Elliott just because Larson's looked amazing uh, in the six or seven races we've seen so far this year. But I would go Larson, Elliott, Byron, Bowman. See, I would actually put Chase third right now. I would put Byron ahead of him. <clears throat> We're talking DFS wise. I mean, since Homestead, I mean, if if, since Homestead, Byron the, hasn't finished worse than eighth. Which I get, and if we're just looking at the the DFS point output and like the the point per dollar, Byron's the better value. But if I'm just looking at the broad spectrum of things, and I'm not really looking at DFS, if I'm just doing a power rankings, I would still put Elliot ahead of Byron. Um, but I would put Larson it's as It's closing, one. though. It is. It's I closing. Because I agree with you. He hasn't looked like Chase, right? Like, the most amount of laps that Chase Elliott has led this year was 44 at the Daytona Road Course. And he still finished 21st in that race. Which is actually, let's, I don't want to diminish that because leading 44 yeah, laps. 44 of, laps of of what 70 yeah yeah i mean it's impressive right but then you turn around and you go okay so at vegas so at vegas a race we all thought he was going to do really well at 22 laps phoenix a race that he that he basically led from wire to wire last year to win the championship had what he said was the same setup in the car started six finished fifth 10 fastest laps no laps led. yeah but i feel like everybody in the championship race was just letting him by you think you think Logano and Kozlowski? Not, not, not necessarily the three other guys that were contending. And for he title, started in the, the same, back. He started in the back, but like most of the field is out of the championship on, so they're just like, all right, let's just let the guys that are contending for a title, let's just let them go. Okay, but at the same time, at Phoenix, Larson drove from the back to the front three separate times in that race and almost could have won it. Sure. So like, 
it's just kind of a you know getting back to Martinsville. Yeah, Chase won this race last fall. That's how he got into the championship. Was he won this race last fall and did it reasonably convincingly? Um, just haven't they've been off by a tick this year? They have. They just they just have. So he's going to be a popular. He's just he hasn't looked like the championship driver he was last fall. Yeah, and. You know, he's going to be popular. He's starting fifth. Um, he won this race a year ago. He's run short tracks pretty well recently. Um, but I'm just not as high on him right now as potentially others. Okay. Uh, let's cover Team Penske. Just make it a blanket yeah. statement. Brad Kozlowski, P10, $11,000. Joey Logano. play the week. On the pole for Logano, 10700 Ryan Blaney. Uh, these guys are all priced between $10,000 and $11,000, all starting in the top 10. Kislowski is probably the best play because he dominated here a couple years ago with almost over 440 laps led. Um, and he's offering the most PD. You, well, it's not just that. To... It's just in the last four races here, he's also he leads the field in average finish at 2.8. Kislowski's got an average finish of 2.8. And starts 6.3. So he's not starting like on the pole and holding it. He's actually moving up pretty decently. Um, yeah, the laps led per race gets a little skewed because he led like 440 something, um, you know, that one time. So that basically carries the load for laps led per race. Um, you just have to feel good about Penske drivers on a flat track, a short flat track anyway. Yeah. And keep in mind, he did, you know, do really well at. Uh, New Hampshire last year. He did well at Richmond last year, which is a similar enough. I mean, it's a short track, a little longer, but it's not all that, uh, you know, steeply banked. He did very well at Phoenix, which is another flat track. Um, so, yeah, Kozlowski, this is probably the week I'm going to have the most exposure to Kozlowski, I would guess. Um, it's always the week you get exposure to Kislowski. That it doesn't work. That out. he does nothing for you. <laughs> I know that's that's the way it always goes with Kislowski. But there's also another trend here. Um, he finished second in the spring race here in 2015. He then won the spring race in 2017. He then won the spring race here in 2019. This is now the spring race of 2021. So. If we're going with the odd-numbered uh, trend here, this would fit into that. It's much like the Giants winning three World Series in even-numbered years in the early 2010s. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like Kislowski. It's impossible to ignore Logano, who's on the pole, um, should have a leg up and leading laps early. Um, but... You know, he's kind of, I know he's won here a couple of times, but I just don't get that great of a feeling for Logano here this week. Um, it just, he's kind of one of those guys that starts up front and then leads some laps and then kind of trails off a little bit towards the he's second half. He's good up until like the competition caution. Right. And then, you know, it's like, okay, well, I just paid for a pole setter who's not going to lead all that many laps. Uh, Blaney. Blaney's the second favorite play of the week, so that's going to make Mr. Ed Rouse pretty happy. (laughs) 
Blaney's got a couple of runner-up finishes here. I think two of the last three or the last two he's finished runner-up. Um, and he's looked really strong this year. Also, we got that Fox booth, you know, streak yep. going on. He's starting fourth, and I'm not really all that fond of the three people starting in front of him. Um, I mean, I am a little bit in Byron. I think he's a sneaky guy to lead some laps, but Hamlin and Logano are also in front of him, and I don't really have a whole lot of faith in them to hold Blaney off. So I do want to get to Byron in a little bit, but were you all set with uh, Penske? Yeah, I mean, okay. that's pretty well. I mean, I'll probably have exposure to all three of them, but I would rank them Kozlowski, Blaney, Logano for me this week. Um, do we need to touch on Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick? I'm not going to have much exposure. No. Okay, cool. I, I mean, they're not. Congrats, by the way, to Kyle Busch. His energy drink, Ratty Energy, became the official energy drink of the Texas Rangers. It's tasty. On Thursday, it is very tasty. It's, <clears throat> it is outstanding, I have to say. Uh, but his driving has not been tasty. So, um, Kevin Harvick, hate. This is just not a track I normally play him at either, and we went over this last year. He's just kind of a guy who hangs around. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't really do anything for me DFS-wise. All right. Uh, we're entering the still kind of expensive, but mostly mid-range uh, options where we're getting great PD plays. You have Alex Bowman, who's 9,200, yep. starting P20. Uh, Kurt Busch, who is 8,900, and I, I love the guy, but he crushed me at, from a huge day at Atlanta a couple weeks ago. Well, that wasn't um, his fault. It was his. It brother. was not his fault. Um, but he's starting. Clearly, P- his brother's fault. <laughs> he's starting P twenty one. We have Christopher Bell, P twenty three, eighty four hundred. Eric Almarola, he's looked bad. SHR has whiffed on so many setups. However, uh, a couple weeks ago at Phoenix, Eric, Eric Almarola started thirty second. He finished eleventh. He was nine thousand dollars then. Uh, that's a similar track, and Almarola, from what I understand, has a pretty good history on flat tracks. Yeah, he's done he's done pretty solidly here uh in in the past. Um you know, there's certainly been a couple of so he's kind of a guy who's either finished in the top ten or he's crashed out. And the crashes haven't necessarily been his fault. They happen in short tracks. He got bump and run. He, he you know, I think Keslowski uh put the bump and run on him in one of them and somebody else did a bump and run on him the very next race. Um, so he wound up finishing in the 30s, but the other two races finished ninth and seventh. Um, so, you know, the one he finished seventh and he started 20th. So he's got the ability to move up pretty well here. He's got the driving style to do it. Kurt Busch, I love the guy this week. Uh, his driving style fits here pretty well. He moves up very nicely. Bowman. It sounds like he only needs like another top 10 to 12 to hit value too. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Bowman... Same thing. He's coming off last year's races. He finished sixth in both of them. Um, so that's something we definitely like to see. He did start in the top ten in both of those. But if you can hold your spot in the top ten here, you can certainly move up to get into it. So mm-hmm. those are all three dudes that I like this week. Um, right underneath Eric Almarola, Matt Benedetto. Huge narrative street for him in the 21 car of Wood Brothers. Yep. Uh, I'll let you uh, go off. So, De Benedetto, we saw him in the 21 car for the first time last year here, and in those two races, he finished 7th and 10th, right? So, he's coming in, he's got a couple of top 10s here recently. That's one thing we're looking for, and by the way, in those two races, he started 19th and 12th, so he moved up pretty decently there. The narrative streak comes 
he's still looking for his first Cup Series win. He desperately wants to get one of those so that he can also secure a ride for next year because, as we talked about a little earlier, he doesn't have the 21 car uh, after this year or for even parts of this year because they're going to kick him out for Austin Sindrick to ride it in the the, uh, road races, generally speaking. Um, But the other narrative we've got going on here is that Wood Brothers, the team he drives for, their shop is literally like 15 minutes down the road from Martinsville Speedway. It's their home track. It has been. They've raced on it 120 times in the Cup Series. Um, they're still looking for their their 100th team win. And so what better place to get it than their home track, um, a place they haven't won at in a little bit, but they've run very solidly here basically their entire time. And the third part of the narrative is that the matriarch of the Wood family, Bernice Wood, uh, passed away during the off week. Um, and so they're going to have a special patch on the car to commemorate her. Um, so yeah, why not get the thing to victory lane for, uh, you know, for Bernice Wood there for the hundredth Wood Brothers win and for Matt Benedetto's first cup series win. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Bubble Wallace, 7,300. Yep. I like it. I do too. Um, this is a spot to get Bubba. Yeah. <laughs> 7,300. Similarly, uh, for Phoenix, he started 25th. He finished 16th. That was 39 points when he was $7,200 almost a month ago for that race. Uh, So we're both on board. Bubba Wallace is in play. Yeah, and he won here in the truck series, and he has a history of moving up here about five or six spots a race, which there's only two or three people in the field this week that average that over the last four races here. He's one of them. Um so, yeah, Mike Wheeler was in an interview uh, on from, I think, Bob Pockris tweeted a clip of it talking about how they're going to rely on Bubba Wallace's knowledge of the track to set the car up. Also, that 23 car has been pretty dang quick mm-hmm. to start the year. He also looked pretty good on Bristol Dirt last week. So, yeah, Bubba Wallace is a, is a guy we're looking at this week. All right. Um I'm struggling with the cheaper value options. I don't like to go dumpster diving at the cup level. Uh, who are some cheap guys that you're looking at this week? Well, Ryan Ryan Newman sticks out at 6,800 bucks. Um, we all know the running gag with Newman is that he's really hard to pass, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's starting eighth. Looked really good at Bristol Dirt last week. Um the six car has been pretty dang quick this week, or th- this whole season, really. Um, so why not take a shot on Newman at 6800 bucks, starting inside the top 10, a track in which during the last five races, 70% of the guy of the drivers that have finished in the top 10 started in the top 12. So he's already starting there. He's hard to pass. It's a track that can be tough to pass on. We'll take a shot on Ryan Newman at 6800 bucks. Um... Beyond that, Daniel Suarez is a little intriguing. It it starting only because he's starting eleventh, um, and the ninety nine car has shown pretty decent speed actually. Um, not even with Bristol Dirt, but just like going back a few weeks, they've had pretty decent speed in the car. I think Phoenix they what they screwed up a late race pit stop, but other than that, they looked really good. Um. How do you feel about Stenhouse at 5,800? 
Yeah, so, okay, so he's got the position, he's got the starting spot, he's starting sixth, because, um, you know, they're using the formula. This is not, so short track racing is not necessarily Stenhouse's uh, forte, <laughs> as, as we'll say, um, but I think he's worth sprinkling in, because look, if he can hold a spot or even move back a few, he can hit value. Right, it's not like he really has to do much starting six. So, um, I think he probably gets shuffled back early, and then he has to make up some spots. Um, but he's worth if you're going to make, let's say, twenty lineups for GPPs. I might put him in one or two. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, he's rolling in with momentum. I think he's rocking five straight top thirteen finishes. So, I mean, obviously. On tracks he's more comfortable with, uh, I, I do get a little weary of him on a short track, especially when he's starting six. However, he's looked good this year on a variety of different tracks. Uh, is there yeah. anybody else you're potentially looking at? In this um, I don't know. I mean, like, can Ryan Priest finish a race? <laughs> Chase Briscoe is cheap, but again, he's been cheap basically the entire season and hasn't really done. I mean, even on his forte, it dirt racing last week, he only managed to move up five spots. Yeah. Right. It, like it's been a weird year for him. He's just, I understand not, it's his rookie year, but he's, that's a, that's a good car on a good team. Yeah. He's nothing out of it. I mean, Boyer's finished in the top 10 a few different times here. Hell, he even won a race here like three years ago in that same 14 car. So, but uh, Briscoe is not the driver that Clint Boyer was at that point. So we're, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe take a shot on Ross Chastain, but not, I mean, we're, we're just pretty well dumpster diving here. Yeah. And I don't like so, it. No, but it's like, if, really. if you're trying to fit two dominators, in your lineup, you're gonna have to be down here. You have to be down here, and I mean, maybe take a shot on Eric Jones. Is this another week where he can move up? We've seen him do it a couple of times in the last like three, four races. Yeah, but like you know, he started 24th and finished ninth last week, and at Vegas started 29th and finished 10th. Um, so the road course he moved up pretty well. So like. I feel like he does well in spurts, and if you hit him on the spurt, then you're golden. But if not, then you know. For me, I just feel like it's it. Daniel Suarez is about as cheap as I want to go, but it's so hard to get two dominators in the lineup. Yeah, especially I mean, if you're playing Truex. Right. If you're going Truex and let's say like Keselowski. Right, you're gonna really have to. You're really gonna have to dig deep yeah, there because like that automatically brings you down to sixty-seven-five for for the last, you know, on average for the last uh, four drivers, and then Newman is above that at sixty-eight hundred. So you put him in, it lowers your average. So you know, it's it's really, and you don't want to go too far back in the field here because you can. Lapping is a is, is a concern here, as you always bring up on short tracks. Uh, this one, in the last five races, 18 cars has been the average for lead lap finishes here. So It's crazy, because if, you know, if you've never watched a Martinsville race, 
you know, when when they do the overview of the race starting, it's like, you know, the front row is crossing the starting line and then they're almost immediately coming up on the tail of the field. Like it, it's because like the last row is just a quarter mile ahead of them. Right. It's, it's so, just my biggest concern when I'm playing short track DFS. Right. And the, the while lapping doesn't necessarily cost you points. In DFS, it can in the long run because it caps the position differential you can get. Yep. Because for every lap you fall down, you have to unlap yourself before you start moving up in the field again. And hope that the people in front of you are on the same lap down that you are. Because if they're one lap further ahead than you are, it's not going to matter how many times you pass them. It's not going ma- to count for position. So... That's the concern is that it caps the position upside that you can have. But there have been cases where guys have started at the tail end of the field and moved up pretty well here. Famously, I think uh, Bobo Wallace did it a few years ago, if I remember correctly. Started like 34, 35 and moved up pretty well. Um, So it can happen, but it's pretty rare. All right, well, I think that pretty much sums up uh, Martinsville for this weekend. Uh, If you can hear Matt's dog in the background, that is going to be me in about 10 minutes. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you this weekend, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.